Some of you might be more plugged into the news than others, but um, if you're on campus, certainly you've heard about uh, the tragic incident with the Pi Kappa Alpha fraternity a couple days ago, and know that uh, one of our sophomore students at BGSU is currently in the hospital, um, clinging on to life, and they're not expecting him to make it. So I think it's important for us as a university parish family uh, to spend a moment in prayer uh, for Stone and for his family and friends and for all of the students affected by this. So before the homily today, let's just take a moment of prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, you love all of your children, and we ask you to look now with love upon Stone. We ask in your mercy, if it be your will and for your glory, that you might work a healing miracle in his life to show your power and to show your presence to all. We ask that no matter what, you might enfold him in your mercy, that you might bring him to yourself. We pray too for Stone's family, for his friends, for all who knew him, who know him and who love him, all who are grieving, who are anxious, who are fearful. We pray for those who are angry, for those who are sad, and we ask that your presence might bring them consolation and a deepening of faith. We pray too for the members of Stone's fraternity, that they might know conversion of heart, that they might know the mercy of God, and that they might know what true brotherhood, goodness, and justice really is. In all things, we ask that we might always know your mercy and your presence, for you are good and you are God forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. When I was ordained a deacon, I was doing my pastoral internship year, and I was learning a lot of different things. So some days I would go with the priest, and some days I would go with the business manager, and some days I would go with the youth minister. And there was one particular day when I was with the youth minister, and he said, this afternoon we're going to have lunch with a Justin Bieber impersonator who's thinking about becoming a priest. And I will never forget that lunch. <laughs> Anthony De La Torre is actually a native of Bowling Green here. Um, and when he was a high schooler, he was a look-alike for sure. And he's got a great voice. So that's what he did in high school. Uh, made some cool cash as a Justin Bieber impersonator. Also a man of faith and truly discerning the priesthood as well. God called him in a different direction. He went on to a lot of success. He's of Cuban heritage, so he went to Cuba for a while and got his music career started. Um, he played the young Jack Sparrow in the last Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Uh, now he's starting uh, to release his own songs that he's written. Um, and about a year ago-ish, he released his first single. Um, and so naturally, I'm following the Justin Bieber impersonator who thought he might be a priest and... I'm friends with his brother as well, so as soon as it came out, I made sure Spotify went and listened to it. And it was a song about a girl. They're all songs about girls, aren't they? It's a song about a girl and about his desire for this girl. 
I thought, uh-oh, Anthony, you better be writing music that a priest can listen to. I was worried. So I started listening. I'm like, oh, I can sort of tell where this is going. I've heard songs like this before. I want you. I want you. I want you. And then, true to form, he surprised me. Because what did he want? I want you to know me. He speaks in this song about being vulnerable and taking a risk, about wanting to be close. But the goal was not what I thought it was going to be. I want you to know me. So I sent him a message afterwards and I said, that's an excellent song, unless I'm totally naive and I'm missing something. Sometimes you miss things in songs too. He says, no, you got it. It's a love song, but in order to really be loved, we have to be known. That's a beautiful truth. In order to be loved, we have to be known. Today at this Mass, we're celebrating the first scrutiny for our two RCIA candidates preparing for baptism. We have eight young people in the RCIA program altogether, two preparing for baptism, the rest for the other sacraments of initiation. But for all of them and all of us, Lent is a journey towards baptism. For Bob and Alicia, it's the journey to their celebration of the sacrament. For the rest of us, it's a journey to the past to rediscover the truth of our baptism. And so the scrutinies that play out throughout the Lenten season are all about that process of discovering or rediscovering what it means to be baptized. A scrutiny is a close look. And today, the gospel reading for the first scrutiny invites us to take a close look at ourselves, to really know ourselves. If we're to understand who God is and how God loves us, if we're to understand what it means to say that God has saved us, we have to know who we are. We're a mystery unto ourselves. That's what St. Augustine said. He said, I don't understand the things I do. I didn't understand my motivations. I didn't really understand my own goals. When he's writing his book, The Confessions, he's looking back on his life from a place of knowledge and realizing how little he knew at the time. He's looking back on his life so far before his conversion, and he's saying, I really didn't know who I was. And I can see myself searching through all of these good things and bad things that I've done, trying to discover who I am. And he said, it wasn't until I met Jesus that I understood myself. Jesus, who is the new Adam, 
the new man, reveals man to himself. Jesus shows us not only what it means to be human, but what it means for us to be human as individuals. The church has repeated this idea over and over and over again. It was one of the important themes of the Second Vatican Council that Christ reveals man to himself. That without Jesus, we remain a mystery. There's a secular author who picked that up and said, man is a riddle unto himself, and then he dies, the puzzle unsolved. That's bleak. He got the first part right. But when we encounter Jesus, then we begin to understand ourselves. The Samaritan woman, the Samaritan woman, encounters Jesus at the well today. A stranger whom she never really should have encountered. Jews and Samaritans, they didn't mix. Men and women at the time, they didn't mix. And against all odds, all social probability, there she found herself at the well with the Lord himself. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that you talk about so that I may not be thirsty or have to keep coming here to drink the water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come back. The woman answered and said to him, I do not have a husband. Jesus answered her, You are right in saying I do not have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. Like, that escalated very quickly. (laughs) We're talking very poetically about living water and water that quenches your thirst forever. And this woman says, Give me this water, this water that you're talking about. I don't know what it is, but I want it. And it seems like a giant change of direction. We're talking about water, and then he says, go get your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. That's right. You got five or six, and none of them are really your husband. Wow. At first, that might seem um, harsh. That doesn't really fit with the way that we interact with people we've just met. But she didn't receive it that way. She says, well, I can see you're a prophet. A prophet is one who perceives the truth. That's the essence of a prophet. It's not about predicting the future. It's about perceiving the truth. Speaking the truth. And so she engages him a little bit more in conversation about worship and about God. And then she runs off after he tells her that he's the Messiah. And, he says, and she says to all the people in the town, come see a man who told me everything I have done. And they come in droves. 
I don't know, if I came up to you and said, hey, I got a guy over here, he's going to tell you everything you've ever done. <laughs> Who's running in the opposite direction? <laughs> Most people. There's a certain vulnerability in being known by someone else. There's a certain vulnerability in knowing the truth about ourselves. And it's not usually the good stuff that we're worried about. Oh no, I don't want anyone to know about how well I did. I don't want to know anyone to know about all the good things I've done. That would be terrible. No, it's, it's the sinfulness. It's our weakness. It's our failures. That's what we don't want to be known. We don't want it to be known to anyone else, and we'd prefer not to think about it ourselves. Thank you very much. But this woman, encountering the Lord, has been known. Jesus looks at her and knows her. He knows all the good things she's done as well. But he points out a particularly problematic reality for this woman. But he does it in love. He does it for love. Because this woman cannot truly be loved unless she is known. If we're not known for who we truly are, we're never quite sure if we're truly loved. Does this person love me for who I am? Or does this person love the person they think I am? Does this person love me? Or do they love the person I portray? Do they love the Instagram version of me? To actually be known is risky. And yet, it's so freeing. This woman, having understood the truth of herself, having been loved in this moment by God, runs to tell the whole world. You're never going to guess. This guy knows who I truly am. And he loves me anyway. That's sort of implied there. All these people come to him to encounter him. And the gospel concludes with many of the Samaritans of that town began to believe in him because of the woman, word of the woman who testified, he told me everything I have done. They came to believe that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was the Son of God, because he knew the truth, and in the truth he loved that's not often our experience of humanity. It's risky because sometimes when people find out the truth about us, they don't love us. Sometimes when people find out about our mistakes, our failures, our sins, our weaknesses, they turn and run. Sometimes when we're dealing with fallen human beings... We put ourselves out there to be loved, and we find ourselves rejected. 
But it's a risk we keep taking. Because love is the only thing worth living for. It's a risk worth taking. So what does this mean for you and I, for Bob and Alicia, as we journey to a deeper understanding of our baptism? What does it mean to be chosen by God? What does it mean to be loved so much that the Son of God would die for me? What does it mean to be a child of God the Father? What does it mean to be a temple of the Holy Spirit? It means to be known and loved by God. Why does God choose me? Because he knows me and he loves me. Why would God die for me? Because he knows me and he loves me. Why would the Holy Spirit come to dwell within boring old me? Because he knows me and he loves me. During our Lenten journey, we tend to focus a lot on sin. It's because I don't have to prompt you, usually, to think of the good things. Those are good to dwell on. We like that. But we have to be poked and prodded from time to time to think about those failures, to think about our weakness, our vices, our sins. Not for the sake of dwelling on them, not for the sake of despairing in them, not to throw a pity party for ourselves, but simply to recognize the truth about myself. Pope Francis has a lot of one-liners that get a lot of attention. One of my favorites is when someone, a journalist who was interviewing him, said, was, I think it was right after he was elected pope, said, how would you describe Jorge Bergoglio? And he said, I am a sinner. It's not cynical, it's just truth. He, and he's not just a sinner. You and I, we're sinners, but we're not just sinners. We're sinners who are known and loved. We're sinners who have been redeemed. We're sinners who have been set free to really understand what freedom in Christ means, to really understand the mystery of the cross and what that's worth, what that means to you and I. We have to understand just how much we need the cross. Just how much we need to be set free. Just how much we need a savior. And so today the church invites us to enter into the mystery of ourselves by encountering Jesus who reveals us to ourselves, who shows us who we truly are, the good, the bad, and everything in between. And who shows us that just who we are is just how we're loved. That the you who is 
a crazy mixture of sinner and saint sometimes at the very same time is worth dying for, is worth living for, is worth anything. St. Augustine, when he was looking back at his life before his encounter with Christ, he said, all of these things I did, I did from a desire to love and to be loved. And if he was a country songwriter, he would have said, I was looking for love in all the wrong places. These things are true for you and I as well. The deepest desire of every human heart is to love and to be loved. And authentic love is always tied with the truth. So we pray for Bob and Alicia. We pray for our other candidates preparing for initiation. We pray for ourselves and one another as well. That this encounter with Christ during Lent may reveal the truth about ourselves and might reveal about the truth about God's love for us all. Please stand.